Rabbi Neitleya Sarna and Rabbi David Walkenfeld. Shalom and welcome to the Straw Hat. We are the official podcast of Andre Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue located in the beautiful Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. This week's episode features two segments. First, we will be talking about Masachet Shabbat, which is the tractate that we just turned to in Daf Yomi after finishing Brachot. Very exciting. And second, we will be celebrating the birthday of our podcast. This is our birthday episode, and we'll be bringing in our producer, Haley Leventhal, into the studio to celebrate with us and with you. I hope you enjoy. So we just finished the first, uh, I was going to say the first episode, the first uh, tractate of the new Dafyomi cycle. Very exciting. Congratulations to the many members of our show who uh, are participating in various siyumim for that. Um, really a huge accomplishment, even if, you know, even if all you learn is Gemara Brachot, like that's still amazing. Um, but we thought we'd say a little bit about Shabbat. That, that's the next one up. I think this is uh, season 14, episode two is how you... Oh, okay. that's how we talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Masechet Shabbat. You know, I don't know. I guess... In a different time, they used to say what separates the men from the boys. I guess now we say it separates the adults from the children. Or there we go. People yeah. who are, uh, committed to Dafyomi and people who are who might, might not be. Um, it's a, uh, it's a very big change of pace. From... Longer masechet and much more um, like like legal. technical uh, le- <laughs> legal terms, but 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 uh, wonderful wonderful core halachic um, like meaty halachic. Uh, uh, topics that you can sugiyot, you can really sink your teeth into. Were it not for Dafyomi, and you have to rush past, but but, yeah. really, but important <laughs> concepts that really um, like determine how we live our lives, how our communities are organized, uh, really come up like page after page in, in the second Shabbat. So it's really a wonderful, um, wonderful masechet to to at least glance at, and and if not uh, to uh, to study parts of in, in depth. And I think one of the surprising things about masechet Shabbat is that we kind of the core concepts when we think about our own Shabbat observance are not necessarily what get the most play in Masachet Shabbat. And you get that really right from the beginning, meaning once you have in the, the next Masachet in, in Dafyomi is Erevin, um, and that, that Erevin kind of takes away, at least from the, the beginning of, of Masachet Shabbat, where we're talking about these different Rashiyot, um, the different domains of Shabbat, and that is where we kind of start out with. Um, right? It takes away from our like Shabbat to Shabbat experience of, I don't know, it makes it like less relevant. Uh, okay, I, I, I have to say that that's a statement that can only be made by somebody who's not uh, responsible for the weekly, uh, you know, maintenance. But that's of... the majority of our listeners are not <laughs> responsible for the weekly maintenance of our air. If we like do that for you, you're welcome. And by we, I mean you and Ann Levinson and the air team. Okay, okay. As long as that caveat is, is, is made, <laughs> your, your point is granted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so it begins, so the second begins with Yitzio, with, with the, the, the four ways in which... Uh, Things can be taken um, from one domain to another, which is one of the malachot, one of the prohibited actions uh, on, on Shabbat. And just another funny side note please. is, um, I'm you know, all there's, funny side notes. there's all of these like terms like mixed dancing or hot dairy out that are like you think they're English words, but they're not. Or like to learn. Um, oh, so it. another one is to carry. Like if you if you ever like go to <laughs> if you go to a hotel and say like I you know I I, I need to leave my room key here because I don't carry on Saturdays they're gonna look at you like you have 12 eyes uh-huh. that's that's right right that's not it's not, it's not it's English words that are only used by observant Jews uh, to describe living an observant Jewish lifestyle like lifestyles are entirely English words that's a great 
Oh yeah, like mixed dancing, right? Um, oh yeah, right. Okay. There's other good ones. I, my, my mind is now going <laughs> off on, on a tangent of, of all these great um, English phrases that we own. Okay, but oh, like did you wash is a good yeah, one. Yeah, did you wash? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, I think Muslims, by the way, use that also. Did you wash? Interesting. Well, if you yeah. have Muslim listeners, they can circle they can back. Let us know. And let us know. Um, okay. After that digression, okay, carrying <laughs> from domain, I guess domain, I don't know if you'll talk about domains, public domain, private domain, right. okay, you can't carry from one to the other, you can't carry more than four cubits, about six feet in a public domain. And carrying technically involves picking something up that was stationary, changing it from one domain to another, and putting it back down. Right, so Akira and Hanacha needs to be yes. uprooted from its prior location and then placed down in another location. This, um, j- just like a practical advice, if you ever are not you know, in some place with an Arab and you mistakenly discover that you, you know, have something in your pocket that you forgot was there, didn't realize was there. So the, the instinct when that happens is to stop. Is to freeze, right? Like stop where you <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a tissue in my pocket, I have a keys or whatever whatever it might be. Uh, but that's actually the wrong thing to do because it, once until you've stopped, you haven't actually done the malacha. Because let's say you, you carry your keys in your pocket, you leave your home. So the Akira happened when you walked out the, you know, when you picked put, it up. Picked it up. And then and you changed it, domains when you walked out the door. But the Hanacha, which would complete the malacha, complete the forbidden action, wouldn't happen until you stop or place it down somewhere. And so as long as you keep moving, uh, you have not uh, done the full malacha. And if possible, you can keep moving without stopping and walk back to the place where you came from and put it down there. And then you haven't actually done the malacha. It's much better to just check your clothing first. But um, Yeah. Um, and, and when you're – right, we don't have that as part of – because we live in an Eruv that we're so grateful to you, Rabbi Wackenfeld, for your upkeep and of the it. Team, the team, the team. Uh, the yeah. team. Um, um, you, checking pockets is not necessarily – I mean, like, I still do because I sometimes keep, like, credit cards or whatever in my pockets. But but it's not necessarily part of the pre-Shabbat routine. Um, but if you're ever somewhere without an Eruv, that's actually really important. I've, like, gone to show Friday night – in show been like shoot i have this thing in my pocket that i actually wish i could keep like i had a pair of earrings in a pocket one time went to a shawl in washington heights went to a shawl outside of the ear those earrings are gone now like they've been absorbed into that shawl because oh. <laughs> i had to leave them there you can wear them no i was wearing another pair of earrings which you like better yeah exactly <laughs> I couldn't find a friend with uh no i actually tried <laughs> but i think oh maybe what happened is i actually g- gave them to a friend but I don't think she understood that she was supposed to give them back to me. So she now has them. Maybe she has them now, actually, oh. or something like that. Do you remember her name? That's fine. Anyways. Is she listening to this podcast? No, probably not. Okay. Um, Anyways, whatever. Right. But like, I had to like dispose of them once I got there. So check your pockets, you know, before okay. you go out of there. Uh, just also like pro tip, you can also like often ask the rabbi to put something in the office or something if you write that. There's no rabbi. Anyways, complicated. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, let's talk about, why does Masechet Shabbat begin in this way with the Yitzhiyot? So Tosot asked that question. Um, and uh, let's talk about And the they offer, yeah. the, the Tosot is amazing because they offer a lot of other ideas about how the Masechet should have started. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is really great. Like they suggest, well, what about listing all of the different Malachot of Shabbat? Wouldn't that be a more like a, a more helpful opener to the Masechet? Which, which is actually the way. Uh, there, there's a mission like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is a chapter of, uh, it's not the beginning of any. Um, right, it's in the 70s. That's when you get to that Mishnah. Yeah, and it's, it's not the first mission even of a parak, right? It's it's Klaugot. It's, yeah, it's, it's Klaugot. So it's, which, it's not the first mission of the parak, and, and you had the list. So it's a, if, if, I don't know, if you or I were 
probably like organizing the mission of a second Shabbat, we'd probably put that first. Um, and then another alternative yeah. that they suggest from, and the, and the Tosfot there say, Psachim and Yom are organized like this, is why isn't it chronological? Why doesn't yeah. it start with Friday afternoon? Which, by the way, the second Mishnah is Friday afternoon. Like, we go back to that, and then there is kind of a chronology that, that plays out. Um, in Yoma, we start out with the um, seclusion of the Kohen Gadol, which happens... Seven days before Yom Kippur. Exactly. And and Pesach starts with um, Bidikach. Or Larbasar, right? Um, and so this chronology is also like helpful, interesting, like helps you remember it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we, we essentially that, that that those two options we see in uh, if you like skip ahead um, a few you know hundred years, you see that in the great codes of Jewish law mm-hmm. where Rambam in his Mishnah Torah, when he like is sort of how do I organize like all of the oral Torah, everything you need to know that's not in the Tanakh in one fourteen volume book. So he starts with fundamentals, right? Like there's God and you have to believe in God and right then say for Mada and then each of his like books starts with like the fundamentals so he begins you know here's the basic mitzvah and these are the parameters and these are the rabbinic extensions it starts really really like all the like foundations first get, principles get first principles and foundation then he builds up from there and in contrast the Shulchan Aruch I guess based on, on the Torah begins mm-hmm. with waking up in the morning mm-hmm. and goes a, you know for the chronology of your day to go to bed at night and then goes through the holidays and the order in which and they... each holiday happens right first of all they're they're organized by the calendar for the most part um, the rabbinic holidays go at the end um, but then also um, within each holiday it starts from the beginning of the holiday yeah yeah so like two different like ways in which you might go about it the sort of um conceptual like mm-hmm. foundations first or how you experience these events you know in, in chronology of the day and the chronology of the year neither of which would explain why um, the Masechet Shabbat begins with with the carrying so uh, what answer does Sosa come up with? So I mean Sosa suggests a number of answers um, the, the person who posed the question uh, the Riva suggests that um, the answer being that this first Mishnah is just incredibly evocative it touches on all sorts of different subjects. So as opposed to being like, okay, now I know what to do Friday at 2 p.m. It's like, wow, now I've touched on this like hugely wide array of different concepts. Right, in Co- concepts, concepts that span the milachot, like whether right. it's bishul or it, you know cooking or grinding or sorting, there are um, these like sort of, I don't know what we're calling meta concepts or like kind of, like if two people do an action together, neither one is mm-hmm. biblically guilty, for example, right? That That's a, right. that's a, Concept in Hilchot Shabbat that is the trans melacha concept. Okay, that, that, uh, that that's true for, for multiple melachot, and so that that all gets introduced in this opening Mishnah. Uh, another answer provided is that this is just a very um, like sort of common thing that like the Mishnah could be organized not not by time or concept, just by uh, frequency or something. Frequency, you, yeah, I think yeah, frequency, right. yeah. frequency of occurrence. Okay. People do a lot of carrying. Um, and the last one, I think there's a, the third mm-hmm. one, yep. is that, that carrying is is like a malacha gurua. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that. That's a complicated concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so explain okay, the concept. So the words mean that it's a it's like a lower level or like a worse... Lesser, like lesser, lesser, lesser malacha, yeah. Let's go or, lesser, it's a, yeah. I mean, which maybe I would slightly translate, you know... Not literally translates like a like a neglected malacha, mm-hmm. a maligned malacha, maligned, <laughs> oft love it. ignored. No, no, maligned is good because you get the alliteration. Maligned malacha. I do like you know that's my favorite literary device. Yes, okay. I do. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, meaning there are. So, how is it maligned? It's maligned because um, a lot of people who care about Shabbat are not so careful about uh, avoiding carrying on Shabbat. And I remember, I remember my my father telling me a story of being a child. And um, 
you know, before he was sophisticated and understood such things, and being just amazed seeing you know, on Yom Kippur, like in big, you know, in big cities where Jews are not like necessarily a major presence on the street. On Yom Kippur, Jews are a major because you see, like, whatever it's a regular, you know, whatever it is, you know, Tuesday morning, and like all everyone is like in their fancy clothes going to shul, and so like even in a neighborhood that doesn't feel obviously Jewish other times of the year, feels very Jewish on Yom Kippur. And, and he was just astounded, you know, as a young, you know, naive young person to see all these people going to synagogue, carrying their, like, with a talus bag, you know, like sort of violating yeah. Yom Kippur on the way to, to celebrate Yom Kippur. And he, and he just couldn't understand, like, the cognitive dissonance that you could, like, be, <laughs> you know, violating the day by, you know, you know, on your way to observe the day. So there are many reasons why that phenomenon is true. But, but even people, again, people who are, like, who make sacrifices in their lives in order to, um, like, observe... Um, Shabbat and to refrain from Melechah and Shabbat, they are not necessarily, um, you know, and we see that in our community. Like, I'm aware of people like that. And that was even true in the time of the Tosot. A thousand right. years ago, there That's are people amazing. who. No, but the Tosot's claim is that it's true in the times of the Mishnah. Right? Nah, it's right. not just, oh, true in the time of the Tosot. The Tosot is reading into the Mishnah. It was maligned even then, and that's why they brought right, it. Right, right, right. You know, Nasi put this Mishnah at the beginning of Masechah Shabbat because he was concerned about this phenomenon of people who, who neglect this Melechah. And it's very different. It's the only Melechah that doesn't transform. An object, right? It, it, generally, the, uh. the things that we don't do on Shabbat are these constructive labors that transform objects. And right, you don't have to say it like that, right? You can see the moving of an object from point A to point B transforms it. I don't know. Is, is, is location an essential character or an accidental character of the well, object? Well, that's the question. But a lot of people make a lot of money moving things from point A to point B, and other people make money transforming things. <laughs> Look, I don't know I, if you're like a Lockean, you would. I think you would say that. Anyways, I, I think cl- clearly you're correct because it's a malacha, right. but clearly I'm <laughs> correct because it's a malacha grua. Uh. Okay, uh, that, I think that means <laughs> it, it, the, the thing isn't transformed, right? I think that's what it means. So I actually, you know, this is my. Um, uh, as we're sitting and talking, I have my uh, like physical Masechet Shabbat. Um, Analog Masechet Shabbat in front of me, and, and, and this line, the Malachi Gruhi, right, is is uh, in brackets, like it's sort of I don't know. I think it's an important concept when thinking about the way um, this Malachi is treated in in Halachic sources, and also uh, the way it's been uh, observed and and sometimes uh, neglected. You know, I think Erevin, uh, just to come full circle, has um, in, in some ways made it. He's made it better, made it worse, made it better mm-hmm. because you have. Uh, all, the, all these wonderful Jewish people who aren't violating uh, Shabbat every week. Uh, and, and, it and it means that people with small children can leave their homes. Fine. Uh, there are many reasons why Irvin made but life better. I'm saying this... I, this Irvin this, is like a feminist issue for me. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And I... That's, that's wonderful. And, okay, in terms of our con- our conversation, our erstwhile mm-hmm. conversation, yes. I think the existence of Irvin have made things better in that people who are who care about Shabbat but had been neglecting this component of Hilchot Shabbat are now observing it willy-nilly just because it's an area of where they live mm-hmm. and has also made it worse insofar as this forgotten maligned malacha is now even more like maligned and you know people you know move to a new community they go to college whatever they 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 leave that you know, and, and they don't even realize. Oh, actually, like if you grow up in a community with an Arab, uh, which now I think most Orthodox Jews in in North America are growing up mm-hmm. in communities, which was not true when we were children, it was not true. Uh, our parents' generation uh, don't even realize this is a malacha. The, f- the famous story is that in uh, uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, when Rav Tights authorized the construction of the Arab, I don't know, I guess in the sixties or so, one of the wow. first Arab um, in North America, I imagine. Um, he, I thought St. Louis was the earliest era of North America. I'd say one of I think it was one okay. of them. Right? I, I just know, I just, I mean, I... Okay, anyways, there's a famous story. He insisted we down one, one Shabbat each year so that people would remember there's such a thing as, you know, Arvin. as Erev. Yeah, as Yitzhiyot, Shabbat Yitzhiyot, is one of, yes. yeah, people who hadn't learned the beginning of uh, 
you know, uh, of Masechet Shabbat. Yeah, so when you were working at Princeton, there was no Erev, and you worked very hard to make there be an Erev. Um, what, did you have to, like, introduce... You're, like when freshmen would get to campus, you'd be like, "Here's how to live without an eruv." Yeah, absolutely. No, that was we. I taught a class called like uh, I think like Introduction to Halakhic Life on Campus every wow. semester, and and a major point was like, "Here's how you um, avoid carrying on Shabbat." And and the university partnered with us to help you know uh, you know sort so of about feminist issues. Okay, like they're <laughs> for the, the Hillel bought Shabbos belts for the male students uh. so they could put their dorm keys on their Shabbos belts. There is no commercial product. For women mm-hmm. to carry uh, keys on Shabbat, I don't know why. I, I would imagine there would be a market for it, but apparently there isn't enough of one. Uh, and so, so let's explain what a Shabbos belt is, maybe. Yes, yeah, so Shabbos belt is a belt where the, where the key becomes a functional part of the belt. Right? You, if you have a key and you wear it around your neck on a chain, that's just a form of carrying. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you build it into the belt. So, for example, I have a Shabbos belt, uh, which I got actually before, I, before my freshman year of college, uh, where, the, where the key... And by the way, yeah. it makes sense for everyone to have a Shabbos belt because if you travel or if you... Um, or if the league few year was down one one week, which yeah. totally could happen. There's a lot of construction that happens around here, whatever, weather, etc. Um, like, you don't want to be in a situation where it's five seconds before Shabbos and you're like, shoot, I have to scramble together something to, to bring my keys. Right. So there is actually, an, uh, I've since learned that uh, there's a way you can tie your shoes. Tie your with shoes. Where the key, yeah. The point yeah. is the key has to be functional. It has to be doing something. So yeah. there's a method of tying a bow knot where the key is replacing right, a bow knot. It's, it's a knot and then a, and the bows, right? Mm-hmm. So you skip the knot and you just put the, the shoelaces through the hole of the key, and then the key is replacing one of the knots in this bow knot of your shoes, and which is actually pretty important. Yeah. Your shoes won't stay on without the key there, and that's that's I, I didn't know about that, uh, you know, and and uh, that's a pretty neat way to. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, most women. Shoes... Schreiber, Schreiber, Gush, I think I don't know if he invented that, but he's the one who taught that oh, to. The, to, to that's, that's why that's why that's why he tested that and, and implemented it. Uh, but but a belt but again, the belt that you can buy them in Judaica stores, it, the key yeah. is a functional part of the belt. Either it's replaces part of the belt and back, uh, where it would be hidden by your jacket, or the shadow belt I have, the key replaces, I think the word is, uh, I guess, the 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 tongue of the buckle. I don't know. Is that what you call it? I don't the know. The tine? I don't know. Tine is what the... It's the, the the thing that goes through the hole. Yeah. yeah. So you that, is, that that comes off, you put the key there, it's part of the buckle, it's, yeah. it has a function, and you can carry it around, on, 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 wear it around on Shabbat instead of carrying... There's no product that for women. The university made silver bracelets where the key was soldered into the chain. So it's a piece of jewelry that's made out of silver. The key is one of the links in that chain, and that's that's the university distributed to the female Shema Shabbos students. That was very expensive, and that pushed the university towards uh, encouraging us to yeah. take a second look at the possibility of building an Eruv. And, and, and the university, um, this happened after we left, but my understanding is the university paid for the construction of the Eruv. The maintenance is undertaken by the Jewish community, but the construction was undertaken by the university because they care a lot about religious diversity and supporting religious diversity and the race I think was very expensive <laughs> 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 um, that's uh, a fascinating like uh, technique for a negotiation it, it was one of these like whatever like, like classic days in like like weird day like hashtag what rabbis do kind of thing it was like a f- I went to a funeral that uh, that morning one morning when we lived in Princeton of a it was like the parent of somebody I, I was a summer rabbi in New York City mm-hmm. and so there was somebody who's uh, 
whose parent was dying over the summer when I was the summer rabbi. And then we came back to campus and the parent died. So I went to the funeral was in New Jersey. Right. So I went to the funeral, came back to the funeral. I got a phone call from this like fancy pants uh, Princeton jewelry store that had been commissioned by the university to design Hi. this, like to come up with some way for the, you know, the female students to carry the Shabbos keys. And like we, Sarah and I went over there, like on the air Shabbos, like look at designs and, <laughs> and whatever, and like prototypes and stuff like that. And we, they had a couple of, you know, the first prototype was not a whatever. So we, in any event, when Rabbi Jackter, who helped, who really taught me how to map out the Eruv, and and we brought him to Chicago once I moved here to supervise our Eruv as well, he came to Princeton and he said, really made just that point that you said to me, I guess five minutes ago now, he said, these students are coming to campus, they grew up with Eruvin, they don't understand that um, this is a thing, and our job is to make it as easy as possible for them to observe Shabbat. We want to yeah. remove stumbling blocks, remove temptations, and make it easy. So we, so he walked into our, our, our home and said, okay, our job today is to figure out how to build an Eruv in Princeton. That's a religious imperative because it, like, we have to make it, we have to save these kids. We have to make it easy for them and not place temptations in there in front of them. And yeah. Uh, and and we did. We, we drove out and we, we did it and we you know and and today there's an Arab there and, and thank God there's an Arab here which he's mm-hmm. helped to improve and and uh, yeah. And um, if you have one main takeaway from this, it's that you should join the Arab team. <laughs> That's a great takeaway. So this is a very special episode because it is exactly one year since our first ever episode of the Straw Hat dropped. Wow, it's our podcast birthday. Yeah. Happy one year of the straw hat. Oh, we have Haley with us. Hi. <laughs> Our um, producer is with us in Schlensky Studios to mark this birthday uh, anniversary uh, edition of the podcast. So welcome. And, and Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done to make the podcast possible. At not only You're possible- spoiling the outro. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, thank you for making it not only possible, uh, but also... Um, uh, flourishing uh, over over the past year, all of these episodes. We, we have some some data we want to share. Yeah, so we have 3,500 downloads of episodes total. It's pretty exciting. Our top episode is still our first one. So if you're listening to this one, but you haven't listened to that one, it's now at 259 downloads. So you could be the 260th listener to that episode. To me, that suggests that people are still maybe finding out about the podcast and going back to the first episode and you know catching up on all that, which is great and wonderful. Yeah, because it's I... a serial kind of thing that you have to, <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to them in order to know what happens. <laughs> and, and who's to say that's not true? I, I, I would not. If you figure out like the, the plot arc of, <laughs> of the straw hat, let us know. So uh, wh- who's listening? Where are they? What, what do we what do we know from uh, from the internet? <laughs> Great. So the internet tells us that people have listened to the podcast in twenty five different countries or downloaded. I guess I should say right, right downloaded. We can't tell you whether you've listened to it or not. Only only you know that. <laughs> um, but who knows? With with all the surveillance technology, maybe soon we'll be able to find out. <laughs> um, so the most populous um, downloaded country after the United States and Israel is. Germany, so Canada, Canada also, right? Oh, and Canada, sorry, yeah. Um, after the United States, Israel, and Canada is Germany. So shout out to Tali and John, but <laughs> I don't think you collectively listened to the podcast forty-eight times in Germany, so that you must have recruited some friends. And they don't live there anymore. So and you don't live there anymore. That's true. Um, after that, we have Spain, Cambodia, France. Three downloads in the Seychelles. That was pretty cool. Uh, and two each in Peru, India, Brazil, all over the world. So some of those downloads could be people on vacation who live here who 
or traveling for work who downloaded an episode, but maybe we have listeners in these places. So if you're a listener in these places, uh, we're kind of curious. Who are you? Um, <laughs> yeah. Send us a message. Let us know. Yeah. Tell us your favorite episode. <laughs> we're, we're curious. We want to know. And domestically, where are people listening domestically? Oh, so domestically, obviously, the vast majority of our listeners come from Illinois, which is good. That's fulfilling kind of like the primary stated goal of the podcast, which we'll, we'll go back and talk about in a minute. So Illinois, New York, uh, and then just like places where Jews live, California, Maryland, Massachusetts. Shout out to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 33 states plus District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. It's pretty good. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's great. And, and... More than half the country. If we had that many primaries... I was gonna say we no. could be the Democratic nominee for president. Uh, I would say if, if maybe maybe by next year, DC and Puerto Rico will be states, and we could have thirty-five states without any uh, new listeners. But we'd love to have new <laughs> listeners also. And if you are a if you are the only listener in um, Louisiana, I'm kind of curious who you are, and yeah. uh, like you know Oklahoma, like who are you? Um, let us know. Um, maybe we'll interview you over the phone, or you'll come visit and, and tell us about yourself and. Uh, um, that's kind of fun to, to produce something here to uh, have a main main target audience of being members of our congregation, but to really put something out there that we hope will be interesting and valuable to many many others, and to find out that people are downloading all over. I, 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 someone I know, someone we all know, I think, um, and a number of people have now put kind of um, for the sake of privacy these. I forget what the, there's a term for this. It's like a it hides where you're downloading it connecting to the internet from. It's like a personal server almost, so that you could be in Illinois, but as far as the internet's concerned, you could be in the Seychelles or wherever, someplace else. So th- this might not all be, I, I don't know, it, it's possible, I think, that, that some of this could be uh, just people um, accessing the internet with these like privacy-enhancing um, mechanisms to... Okay, okay so uh, I'll, I'll share that as well. So that's you, that's you, and you're just... <laughs> just you know, as a qualifier. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you'll break our hearts if we don't have a listener in the Seychelles, but it's okay. <laughs> so I, I want to like, like break... I don't know, like the fourth wall and like sort of reveal a little bit about like kind of how the podcast is made. So um, I guess the parts of the podcast that you hear that, but you know, we talk, we record it, you hear that, but what, what uh, but there's a lot that we say that doesn't make it in. Uh, and there's a whole editing process. So I mean, Hey, like you share a little bit about mm-hmm. the editing process. What is, what's, you know, beginning to end, how do you produce um, an episode of the podcast? Sure. So if you listen to our special Purim episode on Monday uh, <laughs> or Tuesday, um, you will have heard some of the fun outtakes and bloopers that happen uh, because there is a lot more that gets recorded than what makes it to the podcast. Sometimes, you know, you got to take a couple tries. I aim to make it as listenable as possible. So it's not about being perfect. It's a conversational kind of thing, but we want the listeners to have an easy time listening to it and have it make sense and be pleasant. So um, really, I get the raw data. I stitch it together. I add our lovely intro and outro music and just go through and make sure that it's kind of smooth and makes sense. And and did you know how to do that? Did you have audio editing skills before we were like, Haley, let's make a podcast. You're going <laughs> to edit it. A little bit. Um, I actually, I worked at the Museum of Contemporary Art here in Chicago as uh, my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. And I worked on some of the audio guides for like the self-guided tours for some of the exhibits. So um, that actually was probably my first experience doing that, but it's kind of fun to revive that skill and, Amazing. you know, enhance it and take it a little further. So was that skill on your resume when you applied for this job before any of the rest of us worked here? <laughs> I don't think so. You've just been biding your time, <laughs> just waiting and waiting to bring it back. Um, 
Yeah, no, I think that just, I think you just, I, you guys lucked out that I happened to be working here and did have a little bit of audio editing We, we looked at it in many ways, in many ways we looked at it, but, but this is definitely one of them, and, and uh, it, I think it shows in, in, the, in the product. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think just kind of a word of history um, in terms of how the podcast came to be, we were starting to notice that there were a lot of people in the show who wanted kind of more content, more educational content, but that the time was never convenient. You know, like people who just work long days and have kids and whatever it is, um, that it wasn't like, oh, I can offer this sure, and if the quality is good enough, people will come. People didn't have complaints about the quality of what we were offering. They had complaints about the scheduling, at least as far uh, as they said. Say maybe not about your the quality of what you were saying. Right? I don't, don't want to speak for yourself. Okay. Um, at any rate, um, and so and so we got this idea of like, well, everyone commutes, so maybe and most people listen to podcasts. Maybe also like when I got here, I feel like I had so many conversations with people about podcasts that I was listening to, podcasts that they were listening to, and um, I had a little bit of podcasting experience. A friend of mine edited a series of podcasts called Your Torah, where it was women talking about the different um, sections of the Mishnah, and um, it was great. And, and you got to like spread Torah really like far and wide. Um, and so I kind of like had that, and I'd heard there's like a few other shows that had these like boutique podcasts, and I thought like what a perfect idea for a show. We also had an anonymous donor, if you recall, yes. who uh, there were two experiences that encouraged him to donate the funds that we used to purchase the podcasting equipment. One was listening to the two of us teach Yom Kippur a year ago, where I guess he felt. Um, our Torah banter was engaging yeah. and greater than uh, whatever. Uh, and then he heard Sarah on a podcast uh, mm-hmm. that was run by another rabbi at another shul. And, and I guess the combination, oh, like podcasting is a like a platform that can be really great. And that having more than one of us like, inter, you know, talking about Torah in conversation could also be value added. And uh, so I guess uh, that that was Yom Kippur from Yom Kippur to Purim is uh, – that's actually for launch time for a show project is not so bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the time I was also so struck by a show that said like, oh, you have like a nutty idea to like produce a podcast. Like, cool, let's do it. And we had the resources we needed because Haley had this secret ninja power. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if it had been like, yes, and like, sure, Leia, and like you have to figure out how to make it happen, I would have been like, <laughs> and then it wouldn't have happened. So. Yeah, or the quality wouldn't have. I mean, I've definitely now, I, I've become like spoiled, you know, mm-hmm. by like, hear other podcasts, whatever, you know, where the sound quality isn't so good or it's not edited in a smooth way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just harder. It's harder to listen to and not, yeah. So. Right, right. Like one that we both listen to, like Halakha Headlines, like the sound oh, you, quality. You had to is, name like, it. You had terrible. to name it. <laughs> well, I, I can gr- edit that out. <laughs> it's a great podcast. The sound quality is terrible. There's yeah. a reason why we keep listening to it, <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's great. Yeah. No, I've experienced that too, where, you know, sometimes a podcast I like, they have an interview that calls in and it's super fuzzy and there's a time lag when they're talking and, you know, then it's like, I'm interested in what they have to say, but I can't really stand listening to it. And that's why I think, you know, having that money to get us started and then we could invest in, Decent you equipment. Know, so, and we kind of figured at the start, hey, maybe 20 people will listen to every episode. Totally. And, and that would be a win <laughs> because when we teach classes, if like five people show up in person it's right. good so if 20 people listen to the podcast amazing and, and now then, we're at this place where yeah now we have dozens of people listening to every episode which yeah, is even like better more than yeah like yeah like a hundred or more yeah. kind of every episode it's so, crazy. so I, do you do you listen to each episode 
Um, I listened to many of the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you listened to zero listened episodes to, any of to date? <laughs> I have not yet listened to it because I'm always on them, and I, I don't like. Listening I'm to also them. always on them. I don't like listening to my own voice. I, I so sometimes I'll you listen like, to the blooper reel, right? I do listen to the blooper. Yes, that I listen to. Yes, <laughs> and I, I've gone back and listened to like the interviews that I'm not present for. I. I try to listen to. Um, I, I feel like if you can make it through the blooper reel of all, all things, <laughs> then a normal episode should be okay. I feel like I'm at 80% of the blooper reel. You are more so really. He was featured. just sitting there laughing at me. <laughs> there, there was some tea spilled out over my hands when I, <laughs> as I was listening to that sitting at the, in my, yeah. So. Well done, Haley. <laughs> it's nice to be able to share that with others instead of just like laughing at my computer with my headphones I on. I know. Every so often, Haley says, Sends back a clip to me with like a little note being like, "This was special." Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this this clip today. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. So, anyways, we just want to say to our listeners, like, thank you so much for kind of enthusiastically joining in on this journey with us. It's also really fun that people listen to the podcast and then come and talk to us about it. And we always joke at the end, like, "Oh, if you have negative feedback, like, throw it in the Jordan Valley." I don't know, whatever, right? But but people really do come to us with like positive feedback or questions or ideas or whatever. And and I feel like that elevates the level of the conversation that you know like I could be talking to you about the weather at Kiddish which I love and I always am interested to talk about the weather but to then also like have some real kind of exciting content that we've engaged with over the course of the week together remotely to then like see each other in person and continue that conversation yeah, that's always a goal of any I think education is to spark further education and like peak curiosity and leads to follow-up and, and that that's always a goal I think of anytime we speak anything we do so and it's really it's been very rewarding when uh, people come up to us and with, with continue the conversation yeah, from the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, looking forward to the second year uh, of the podcast and uh, new great things and yes. uh, new listeners and old listeners and new topics to explore. If you have again ideas, questions, and and uh, things you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And we don't promise ways. to take your ideas. No, but I said, I, I, I <laughs> always say, listen. I didn't, I didn't say we do it. I just said let us know. <laughs> That's all I said. All right. Well, thank you so much, and happy birthday to us and to you as a listener. Great. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Straw Hat. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Haley Leventhal. And thank you to you for listening and for making this podcast the exciting community that it is. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you should definitely feel free to tell us that in person or send us voice notes or emails or any other form of communication. And if you didn't like this episode, you should leave it outside of the ear roof and not move it on Shabbat. Have a wonderful week.